Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden in the great city of New York. And it's been a war zone around here lately, but things are starting to calm down. It's phase one of the reopening of New York, and I'm glad to see businesses are getting back into the swing of things. The left wants to destroy and abolish everything. Okay, that's a little provocative. Maybe not destroy everything, but definitely destroy so many societal norms that we have, kind of like our insurance for a civil society, the police. The left wants to dismantle the police. Now, I understand where the frustration is coming from, but I don't understand their response. How are you going to say that we got to get rid of the cops because a handful of cops have done bad things? That doesn't make any sense, but that's exactly what they want you to believe, that we're better off without the police. Now, for a second, it almost makes you think, hmm, so then we could be like our own sheriff. We all get deputized and uh, gun on the hip, shotgun in the shotgun seat of your car. We are the police. We are our own backup. Maybe they've joined us in a libertarian movement. Not so fast. These guys are anarchists, not libertarians. They want no government anarchy, not small government constitutionalism. Our least favorite congresswoman from Minnesota. Listen to this. I will never stop saying not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. is rotten to the root and so when we dismantle it we get rid of that cancer and we allow for something beautiful to rise and that reimagining allows us to figure out what public safety looks like for us that's congresswoman ilhan omar from minnesota one of the squad members we haven't heard from her in a while but she's famous for saying some people did something and insulting the heck out of so many New Yorkers that lived through 9-11, and more disrespectfully, those that lost their lives, now says that President Trump is weaponizing their solution to this problem to advance his own agenda. This has nothing to do with President Trump. I've said it before and I'll say it again. President Trump didn't kill George Floyd, nor did he oversee any of these protests except for the ones that happened in D.C. right outside his house. Yet Ilhan Omar had the nerve to say this. Listen to this again. I will never stop saying not only do we need to disinvest for in police, 
but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. The Minneapolis Police Department is rotten to the root. And so when we dismantle it, we get rid of that cancer and we allow for something beautiful to rise. And that reimagining allows us to figure out what public safety looks like for us. And she's got to be out of her mind, but we already knew that. So here's what I think. And I want to hear your thoughts as well. So definitely uh, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you got, Parlor at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S, with your information, commentary, support, you name it. We love to hear it. If it's negative, send it to at Rich Cementa, Mr. Producer. He loves to hear about that stuff. My thoughts are that the police are somewhat like the military. In the military, you have lots of different people that do lots of different things. You have reservists. You have active duty. You've got reservists that serve as JAG officers that are attorneys in their regular life, but also give service to the country and serve as judge advocates general. The same with doctors and the same with members of the clergy. In fact, in 2000, I'm going to say 10 or 11, I was appointed as deputy chief chaplain for the Newark Police Department. Volunteer role. I was honored to receive it. I was sworn in by police chief or then director Jerry McCarthy and Mayor Cory Booker in the city of Newark, New Jersey. And the point of it was for people that were trained in emergency services chaplaincy, which I happened to have taken a course with the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary in emergency services chaplaincy and worked at a Christian college in downtown Newark. So they thought it was appropriate and I accepted the honor. Like I said, we would drive around the city in ride-alongs with the Newark Police Department responding to all types of different calls, in particular homicides. When someone was killed and the police would roll up, there's a service like social workers, counselors, therapists that come and they respond to the police officer. That's known as cop to cop. And the chaplains that were on a rotating schedule would be available to speak with members of the community that had just suffered a loss. And it was a very effective program in that the more ride-alongs they did, they found less shootings, less violent crimes and a decrease in homicides when all of the houses of uh, worship in the city, the mosques and synagogues and everybody got together for these marches for peace, these interfaith marches for peace and these prayer walks that they would do, which would bring peace amongst the gang violence, peace amongst the, the criminal activity that was going on. And it was interesting to see how that unfolded. And I give Mayor Booker credit for that. And Mayor Baraka, who's continued that practice. And it's his experience as mayor that I think informed Cory Booker to say earlier today that he wouldn't go as far as saying that we need to defund the police. And while I disagree with him most of the time, I agree with him on that statement. We don't need to defund the police or dismantle the police. If there's a problem, then we need to increase training. And perhaps bring in specialized members of the police, like I mentioned with my military analogy. Perhaps you need more police chaplains, maybe doing ride-alongs. But forgetting that part about the integration of people of faith within the community, within the police department. What about just simple things like the people that are going to approach the emotionally disturbed persons in New York City being trained to deal with emotionally disturbed people? And here's what I mean. 
lovely woman that does the housekeeping here at WABC Radio, 17 floors above Madison Square Garden. And we were talking the other day and she says, oh, I have a friend and their child is bipolar. And he had an episode, a psychotic episode, and she didn't know what to do. So she called 911. The first responders were the police, which they usually are. And kudos to the NYPD. However, in this situation, you got two officers that were trained in the academy to do lots of different things, but mainly protect life and property and themselves and basic elements of police work. She said that they laid such a beating on this kid to put him into restraint so they could take him to the psych ward that he had black and blues on his ears and his neck and all over his body because of the struggle that he put up. For weeks, he had these black and blues. Now, I put myself in the cop's shoes and I think, well, listen, if you go in and somebody's acting up, they're having a psychotic episode, what do you do? Maybe you have a taser, maybe you don't. Maybe you can use it, maybe you can't. Maybe the quarters are too close. Maybe there's not enough time to get it. Maybe There's so many maybes that come into play here. But the one maybe that's for sure is, had they been trained the way the people in the psych ward are trained and equipped with those same tools, they might be able to respond differently. Let's say they got there and this guy was an OD. They do have Narcan that they can use. Let's say it was respiratory distress. They have oxygen in the back. They put some O2 on and a mask until EMS arrives. So what about these tranquilizers that they use, like Ativan and others that they use in nursing homes and in other mental health settings? Well, you need people that are trained to administer those things. But that's the point I'm making. If they had that training, or at least had a unit that has that training, you can begin to mitigate and minimize these situations where you have people that are not equipped with a nightstick and a taser, but equipped with years of medical training and a tranquilizer. I mean, quite frankly, you have guys that train tigers, sit there and shoot the tiger dead, at least not all the time, right? For the most part, something goes down, they have these tranquilizer dart guns that they use. Those are wild animals. Just imagine how we could employ that with humanity with people in that same scenario people that are behaving like wild animals for whatever reason. Lots of stories over the years of elderly men. I saw one of an old man that didn't respond to a police command because he was going into insulin shock. And as they were trained in fear for their lives, they didn't know if he was just not listening or what the story was. And they grabbed him, they pulled him out of the car, threw him to the ground, and he was super disoriented. And it wasn't good. And these things shouldn't happen. I'm not putting blame on the cops. I'm putting blame on a system that does need some direction in areas of training. Training needs to be enhanced. Personnel needs to be reviewed so that they can say, hey, let's send this guy to do that job. And I get it. In a city like New York, how often is it going to happen? But I'll tell you this. Kudos to the NYPD again. And not because I have family that are on the job, but more so Because I was just looking at some stuff and I saw a Facebook post and it reminded me of a conversation that I had with my daughter a couple of weeks back. And she was telling me something that I'd already seen on the news like a day before about a New York City police officer, the first of his kind, that's trained in ASL and that's American Sign Language. So this guy is trained in that area and does outreach with that community. And when he responds to something... uh, where there's a need to use ASL, he's equipped with the ability to use sign language. Again, if you're shouting commands at a deaf person to don't move, put your hands up, do this or that, unless they're lip readers, they may not know what to do. 
And no, they don't deserve to get shot or killed. I think that's just logical, unless they're doing something that's illegal. So the point I'm making here is we were talking about this ASL officer, and I said, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then I see this Facebook post about a cop who works in the New York City Police Department's homeless unit. The way that the words that we use and the way that we come across individuals is very important. Uh, We know that a lot of people, when we approach them, have a reaction just because of the uniform that we wear. So we really need to be conscious of taking on a different approach of um, being more supportive and more encouraging, um, uh, more motivating um, when we do interact with them and and have a discussion with them and try to, um, to really get them to see that we are here to help them and that we're here to uh, let them know what some of the options are that are available to them and let them also know that we're here to advocate for them, uh, whether it's to Department of Homeless Services, uh, to hospitals, when we take them to the hospitals. Now, the Homeless Outreach Unit, made up of different officers, but this particular officer, and I believe his last name was Merquez, is talking about how he approaches homeless people and how it's different than he approaches other people because many times they're emotionally disturbed. Now, what's interesting about that is that he was a social worker. So he went to school, became a social worker, has that training, and then became a cop. Well, look at that. That's a stroke of genius. Hire social workers to become cops, just like they do in the military. They have medics, they have chaplains, they have JAG officers. This is the point that I'm making. We can do more in the area of training. We can do more in the area of recruitment. And what does that need? It needs money. It needs funding. So it's contrary to this idea of defunding the police. We need to give the cops more money. Or at the very least, if they're going to redirect some of the funding, redirect it to the areas that are needed for additional training. Because to say that we're going to defund the cops just for the sake of defunding the cops because a bunch of people have their panties in a bunch, that's just plain stupid. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. You're listening to This is America. When we come back, we're going to talk about these generals. And is it appropriate for a general to speak out against a commander in chief? Yes, no, maybe so. We'll be right back. This is America. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And we're still here in New York City talking about everything that's going on coast to coast. And there's an interesting story that came out of Arizona. The headline is Karen, and this is, of course, referring to these people that are in your face about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, uh, but Arizona Karen gets slapped across the face for telling store patron to go back to Mexico. Now, what's interesting about this one is that the girl that got into the altercation with, quote unquote, Karen, well, she isn't Mexican. In fact, she was Native American. Listen to this. Excuse me, but you did say that she needs to go back to her country. What, what kind of, what kind country. of, what is that? Native Americans Excuse me, this, this is what this whole world is. people are not from her. this country. Don't serve her. Yeah, you do not serve don't her. Don't serve her, her race is that. You don't tell her. No, 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 no. Continue serving, continue serving. You need to leave. You're not a part of this. You need to leave. You're not a part of this. No, no, you do not come in here and use the F word and swear and call me a B-I-T-C. I've never even said that I said she is and you're not a part of that word. So you get out of here. No. I know. I said no. she is, and that's why she's leaving. Okay. So you will leave too. No, 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 no. This is going all on the internet. You don't know who I am. You told her. To, you told her to go back to her country where she's from. I didn't even do it. That's assault. 
So the girl's online making a payment, and this woman's in her face telling her that she's got to wear a mask and whatever, and there's a guy with a cell phone camera, and he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. And she says, get out of my face. You, I can do whatever I want. I mean, she's a real busybody, this woman. Ultimately grabs the girl by the elbow and tells her, you got to go, you're going to go back to Mexico. When she grabbed the girl, the girl smacked her right across the face, and rightfully so. And speaking of critiques, the most recent critique that we saw from General Mad Dog Mattis, a.k.a. Karen, Mad Dog Karen, or should I say General Karen. I saw a funny tweet from Cat Turd that Mr. Producer pointed out to me, and I promised I was going to make fun of that on the uh, podcast. General Karen Mattis, who decided he wanted to take shots at President Trump, has come under fire by many. His buddy, General Kelly, who's faced a similar fate, has come and had his back and said, you know, it's all good. While I'll call him Karen because he's calling out the president on this and that, I will say, at the risk of you disagreeing with me, I do think that it's okay if a former general wants to criticize the commander-in-chief's policy. Gasp, gasp, gasp. (gasps) Rich, how could you say such a thing? I'm going to tell you why. Because it's not something I would do. I do think it's uncouth. I think, shut up, you had your chance, now let them do their thing. But we saw this with Obama's handling of ISIS, when generals that perhaps we might agree with criticized him. Right? There was General Stanley McChrystal who criticized him in Rolling Stone magazine back in June of 2010. McChrystal eventually resigned for his critique of President Obama. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. And he was treated like a pariah, just like uh, Karen, General Karen is. So the real first General Karen, I guess, would be General McChrystal, not General Mattis or General Kelly. After that, there was the retired general, because that general was still serving. But in 2011, retired Army General Barry McCaffrey criticized President Obama's actions on Libya. Quote, saying, I think it was a mess. Hope is not a good system in either birth control or military operations. We're hoping that Gaddafi's inner ring kills him, said McCaffrey, who retired as a four-star general. He went on to make other criticisms of President Obama's policy with respect to Libya, as did another military analyst, another retired military officer, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters. Oh yeah, you remember him. Lieutenant General Ralph Peters was the guy that went on Fox Business Channel and said, well... I'll let you hear what he had to say. Check this out. He keeps speaking about 
we can't give in to our fears. Uh, you know, don't be afraid. Look, Mr. President, we're not afraid. We're angry. We're pissed off. We're furious. Yes. We want to see you to react. We want you to do something. You're afraid. I mean, this guy is such a total pussy. It's stunning. And, you know, we want, the, we the people, the American people, whom he, he does not know, in any intimate sort of sort of manner we want action we want action against islamic state and then then when the president is telling us you know he is going to destroy isis this is a president who has done more harm to american police departments than he has done to islamic state this is a president who restrains our military he uses it not to defeat isis but for political purposes for political cover this is a president okay who doesn't want to hurt our enemies. This is a president who cares more about thugs in Guantanamo or thugs in Ferguson, Missouri, than he does about law-abiding American citizens okay, and their Ralph, right to live in safety uh, and I, peace. Oh, snap. Yeah, he did. He called President Obama's actions, actually called the president himself a P-U-S-S-Y. Oh, boy. That happened. So in just the same way that there are retired military analysts, military generals, people that are being critical of President Obama, we're seeing the same thing today. I think it would be hypocritical of me to be a conservative that leans on the Constitution to say that I don't support people speaking out their mind against the president, whomever the president may be. While I agree with General Petraeus when he said that we should probably keep these critiques to ourselves, especially if you're a retired general or even a retired president, I will add, I think that they're well within their rights to do so, despite it being uncouth. But listen to what General Petraeus had to say. For whatever reason, you seem to be reticent to really directly criticize the president, other than on specific areas like a no-flight zone, you know. Look, I served this president, I served the previous president. Um, you understand I'm not, I'm not, one, I'm not one who, who, who sees these as, you know, really simple issues. These are tough issues. I was in the room when there were debates on some of these decisions. Uh, and again, it's never clear cut uh, when you're actually the person at the head of that particular table. Obviously, I recommended certain things that were not uh, approved at various times. Some of these are publicly known. Um, but that doesn't mean that, again, I'm just going to then start poking the serving president in the eye. Yeah, and in fact, what you hope the president has is a divergence of opinion that's clearly expressed so that in the end, the president as commander-in-chief can make the right decision. That's exactly right. And then it's the job of those who made the recommendations to do everything they can to implement the, the decision, decision that he makes, even if it's different than what they recommended. So like I said, again, for me personally, that's what I believe. I agree with General Petraeus, who was thrown under the bus, by the way. I agree that we should keep our mouths shut and have respect and allow the commander-in-chief to do their job. But that can't just be when the commander-in-chief is somebody I align with. That's got to be a, a matter of integrity, a matter of, yeah, either you can speak out or no, you can't. I stick with, you should probably keep it to yourself, but that's just my preference. But politics gets sloppy. It's not always the cleanest business. Whether it's generals or political candidates and donors and campaigns. Sometimes you agree with this, sometimes you agree with that. And what I'm talking about is, I was looking at the New York Post and I see a story that says Trump donors are pumping money into the coffers of AOC rival Michelle Caruso Cabrera, a Democrat. Now there is a Republican candidate. Matter of fact, there was a lot of Republican candidates 
at one point people were pushing me to become that Republican candidate, which I opted not to because I thought there was a lot of qualified people. But MCC, the AOC rival, Michelle Caruso Cabrera, has several top Trump donors that are maxing out their campaign contributions. So these are Trump supporters donating to a Democrat because they think that she can beat AOC. You've probably seen her on CNBC. She was an anchor on the Business Channel. And fellow uh, broadcaster Stanley Hubbard, who gave 175 k to Make a Great America PAC, gave 5600 maxing out his contribution to her. Darren Blanton, venture capitalist, gave 41000 to America Great Again and has given, again, a maximum of 5600 to her campaign. Financier Nelson Patz raised $10 million for Trump. He's also maxed out at 5600 for Caruso Cabrera. At this time, we don't know if there's a super PAC or not for Ms. Caruso Cabrera. But Walter Buckley, who donated to Trump's Rebuild America Now super PAC, and 125 k to his victory uh, fund, also chipped in 5600 to AOC's opponent. And the list goes on and on. The point is, these guys are backing the president, and there's a conservative Republican running, and they're opting to vote for a half-Italian, half-Hispanic female from New York that seems to have a decent shot at beating AOC. I'm not critiquing anybody. I am saying... That sometimes people, whether making their critiques vocal or putting their money where their mouth is, will do what they think is right for the situation at the time. Because sometimes politics gets messy. And I think that's what we're seeing with these generals. That combined with they're probably trying to get back at the president for some sour grapes, for the way things went, for people not respecting their opinion the way they respect their own opinion. I think uh, egos tend to play a role in these things. But I don't think any of us are above criticism. That goes for me. That goes for you. That goes for the President of the United States. And especially for AOC all-out crazy, because I love to critique her policies, which I do think are all-out crazy. You're listening to This Is America. I'm Rich Valdez. Keep it locked right there. When we come back, you're not going to believe what's going on with some of the small businesses across America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and we are 17 floors above Madison Square Garden right here in New York City. It's phase one of opening up New York City. You can ride the subway, but you still can't get a haircut. And speaking of haircuts, you guys know I used to be a barber, the Boricua barber, but you know who else are barbers? The Dominicans. And the Dominicans... And some of their neighbors in Inwood got into a little bit of uh, beef last week with protesters' emotions kind of running a little bit high. And what did the Dominican business owners do? Well, they decided to protect their businesses. They decided to protect their families, rightfully so. But social media came in and turned it around and tried to make them look like racists. Like a lot of people are always trying to do, you try to do the right thing, the police try to do the right thing, and they call you a racist. Now, I'm not saying that the police are right with this whole George Floyd thing. Of course, they murdered this man, and that was terrible, and nobody should defend that. And I was happy to see that the guys from Dykeman and the guys from Inwood made peace. Listen to this. We squashed the beef that everybody thought there was beef, or there wasn't. It was a misunderstanding. We got Flacco from the BX. Scruff, Dykeman is in the building. And I want to 
personally say I apologize for what happened. We we are men of our word. There's no more to it, man. At the end of the day, I want people to understand we all unified. We all bleed. We all bleed the same color. We all bleed the same color. And we did this so people could stop inside promoting violence. And we're not about violence. At the end of the day, we all going through the same struggle. But I gotta, I gotta salute these guys because they came into our hood. They came back so we could show everybody that look, we are united. It was a misunderstanding. And everybody with that chit chat, leave it alone. I'm glad they made peace because you know what? When people roll up into your neighborhood and you have businesses that you've created, we're not talking about Walmart or Target or these huge companies. We're talking about El Bodeguero, a small bodega. We're talking about un salon, a hair salon and the barbershop. These are small people's businesses, how they make their living. They provide for their families. So you better believe anybody who cares about their business and their family and their neighborhood would have protected it. And if these things would have continued, they would have found themselves having a different kind of tres golpes. Not the kind of tres golpes that you find in Dykeman. And that translates into uh, three hits, which is the name of a real typical Dominican dish, which my children and I love, called mangu. And it's made with fried cheese and mashed plantains, you know, platano majado. But my favorite part of it is the fried salami, the salami campesino from Sabao Meat Products. That stuff is just terrific. If you haven't had it, you don't know what you're missing. But so many small businesses in the New York area are owned and operated by Hispanics. For example, a printing company, buddy of mine, Victor Jaramillo and Mike Romero. They run WePrint Marketing that make face shields as well as T-shirts. In fact, they print the uh, Trump S Numero Uno T-shirt, which I think is pretty funny. My buddy Vic is also involved in a barbershop that he owns with my buddy Tone Medina over on Kennedy Boulevard. The aforementioned Mike Romero, he uh, is part owner of Carragher's here in New York City. And right in my hometown in Ridgefield Park, VIP Styles Barbershop by my buddy Chris Pinos. I've known since I used to cut his hair when he was a little guy back in the days. And I can never forget my neighbors in Little Ferry in the cut barbershop with my buddy Joel and his cousin Hav. Big shout out to those guys. Now, speaking of Latinos and businesses, I want you guys to hear from Rick Martinez. Rick Martinez is part of the leadership at Tower Beverage, and Rick is a retired police officer, a veteran, and a businessman working with Bill Richards, the CEO of Tower Beverage, based out of the Freedom Tower right here in New York City. And they've been giving back during this time of riots and protests and fires and and so many things that New York City has been facing. With that being said, I want to welcome Rick Martinez. Rick Martinez is from Tower Beverage. I'm going to let him tell you what they're all about. Rick Martinez, welcome to WABC. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so listen, I am the very proud uh, brand ambassador for Tower Beverage USA. Tower Beverage was founded by my good friend Billy Richards, who I've known many, many years, and has always been looking for a way to pay it forward, and he's done so with this amazing uh, Tower Beverage, uh, which is not only the best tasting drink on the market, but uh, its mission is based on the, uh, the, the Freedom Tower and the tragedy surrounding uh, 9-11. And as a veteran and a retired New York City police officer myself, uh, it's a project that, that inspires and motivates me because our mission is to provide funding and financial relief for the families of our beloved veterans, our, our wounded warriors, our first responders. Uh, it's been almost 20 years to the day since 9-11. Uh, 
but still uh, we have uh, folks uh, succumbing to 9-11 related cancers and illnesses. And, uh, and we cannot forget, remember that mantra, never forget, we can't forget them, we can't forget their families. So it, it's a project that I'm very near and dear to my heart. And uh, with Bill Richards, our CEO, leading the way, we, we're hoping to partner up with the Bob Woodruff Foundation, whose sole purpose it is to provide uh, relief to our wounded warrior families, our first responder families. And it's, it's our way of giving back. Well, I want to thank you, Rick, for obviously for your service, both to the country and to the NYPD and the community at large. And of course, to, to Bill Richards, who, by the way, uh, I'm a Brooklyn guy, born and raised in Brooklyn, moved when I was about 12 to Jersey. But where I moved to is where Bill Richards is from. My neighbor, Richie Flynn, big shout out to Richie Flynn. Uh, he's a firefighter. He's a good buddy of Bill Richards, who grew up in Richfield Park, New Jersey. So it's a small world. Right, right, right. And, and just within the last week or two, we donated a truckload, dozens and dozens of cases to the New York City Fire Department Training Center for their, the medics, the, the, the firemen on the front line uh, fighting the courageous battle that they are, along with our uh, great police officers during some very difficult times. So tell us how people can find Tower Beverage. We had some at an event that we did here. It was terrific. There was a watermelon flavored one that I really, really liked. But tell all yeah. the listeners uh, that that uh, are interested in finding more about uh, the, the actual business model and the um, actual product, let them know how to find it. Absolutely. And by the way, that's my favorite too. Just go to towerbeverage.com and you'll have all that. You'll see all the information on there. Great. And one last thing I want you to plug in is the, um, this is obviously a drink that someone can buy in a, in a store that carries uh, the line. Uh, but from looking at your website, I saw that there's also business opportunities for people that want to get involved and help at a, at a more in-depth level. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Uh, in addition to uh, trying to get this uh, beverage launched nationwide, which we hope to do very, very soon, uh, there are also distributorship opportunities, which, uh, again, you can go right onto towerbeverage.com and get all the information on there. Excellent. Well, again, thank you, Rick, for joining us here on This is America on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. You bet. They really do a terrific job at Tower Beverage, and so many of us have work to do. My question to all of you is, are we doing our jobs? If we don't do our job, rest assured that somebody else is going to do it. If we don't train our children to be patriots, Someone else just might come and train them to be anarchists. If we don't protect the institutions of the media, labor unions, local, state, and federal governments, and classrooms all across America, someone else will get into those positions and train up an army of soldiers for the future with their version of virtue in mind, with their version of a perfect America, with their version of what is right versus what is wrong. All because why? Because we're busy. Minding our business because we're busy doing our own thing. While we're worried about us, the left, the anarchists, the communists, the socialists, they're all worried about taking over America. So I leave you with the thought of Hamilton that if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything. And with the wisdom of Sir Edmund Burke, who taught us that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women like you to sit there and do nothing. That's all I've got. Hasta la próxima, America. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Would
Penthouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.